Welcome to the Gut Doctor Podcast, where Dr. Neil Parikh describes GI disorders and answers common questions related to the GI tract. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Gut Doctor Podcast. Today, we welcome back a familiar speaker to our Food as Medicine series. Delighted to have Jamie Allers, a registered dietitian with the Digestive Health Center at Harford Healthcare, back on the show. Jamie, welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be back to talk today. Today, we're going to try to tackle the challenging topic of weight loss diets. I'm confident we could do multiple episodes on this topic, and maybe we will in the future, uh, just given how many different diets are out there. So in the interest of time today, we will try to focus on two of the more popular strategies, intermittent or time-based fasting and low-carb diets, such as keto or Atkins. Uh, maybe another time we will discuss a paleo diet or plant-based diet. There's so many out there. Uh, there's also anti-inflammatory diets out there. But again, today we'll stick to the, these two. Should we go right into talking about the first diet here? Uh, or is there some general advice or tips you tell your patients first? I think just like any type of diet, whether we go right into the fasting or not, you know, any change in diet, it's all, it's always really important to think about what you're currently doing, what your current eating habits look like and how different this new way of eating or diet or plan or however you want to term it is from your normal lifestyle. If something's already feeling extremely overwhelming, just thinking about it and talking about it, you know, it may not be the right fit for you if you know you can't implement it longer than a day or so, even though you might have some people in your life who've had a lot of success doing certain diets. So whether, again, if it's fasting, if it's keto, if it's, you know, paleo, whatever it is, just really think about how much of a change it will be for you and if it's sustainable. I think that's a critical point. I think one that, you know, we'll probably stress throughout this process is that with any diet sustainability, uh, what are you going to do for more than a week? Um, and I think that's, that's a really, really important point. Um, uh, I guess we'll start with intermittent fasting. Um, so the, the timing restrictions are key. Um, are patients expected to restrict calories, carbs, as well as timing or all of the above? It somewhat depends. And I'd say, if you start looking into inter intermittent fasting, it's often associated with a lower carbohydrate plan or even a keto plan. So part of this might be, be because it should be easier to add on some type of a time restriction to your eating or intermittent fasting when you are already on a lower carbohydrate plan because your appetite tends to be a bit more controlled when you are eating lower carb. So sometimes, those go together for that reason. And really unintentionally, almost people do often end up eating less calories when they start intermittent fasting, because it makes sense. You have less time to eat during the day. So you'll end up probably eating less along with that. But the benefit that comes from intermittent fasting isn't always necessarily through the calorie restriction, but through increased fat mobilization or fat burning, if you want to call it that, that can happen when you're not eating for a certain period of time with intermittent fasting. And during that period that you're not eating, you're basically avoiding the stimulation of fat storage hormones like insulin. So even though there's not a particular prescribed plan that you need to necessarily follow with intermittent fasting, um, it is 
important to think that certain ways of eating will probably make it easier to be compliant when you do start intermittent fasting. And again, as with any way of eating, if you're going to start intermittent fasting and you're planning to try to do that while still eating donuts all day, you're not necessarily choosing a general healthful diet while you're doing that. So ideally you're still taking a plan that is balanced and includes a lot of whole foods while trying to lose weight through doing intermittent fasting as well. That's true. I mean, I guess you could do intermittent fast with donuts and cheesecake and not be very effective. Um, Who knows, right? I mean, it's all about giving it a try. That's true. <laughs> but, um, well, you know, we mentioned sustainability at the start of the episode. So what does the data suggest in terms of how much weight loss can be achieved this way? And have you seen patients sustain it? Yeah. So some data has shown an average weight loss in those who are diagnosed with overweight or obesity of about four to 10% over a period of four to 24 weeks. So that's about one to six months and many other types of diets, you know, a general expectation is that you would lose about 10% of your weight over a period of six months or 24 weeks. So that's, it's very similar to other plans in that way. The evidence has been inconsistent though, and it does seem to differ between men and women in terms of the amount of weight loss. And in terms of sustainability, I do have some patients that have been intermittent fasting for a really you know, long time before they even come to see me. And other people are just thinking about it and maybe they wanna start it. And there's another group of people who have been essentially unintentionally intermittent fasting for their entire lives because they just don't like to eat breakfast. So in that way, yeah, some people have been sustaining this type of eating, but other times individuals might implement intermittent fasting for a period of time and they just find that they didn't get any benefit from it. It didn't simulate weight loss. They didn't feel any different and they just decide to take a break from it or stop it altogether. Um, and in terms of sustainability, there's also a group of individuals that maybe if you're really young or really, really old or if you take certain medications, it may not be the best fit for you. So if you're unsure, you know, it's always good to get some advice on that before you start it. If you're not um, positive, if it's safe for you. Uh, yeah, I feel like I was intermittent fasting when I was in residency unintentionally, of course, <laughs> Right. Uh, uh, are there benefits other than weight loss with intermittent fasting? Yeah. So some data has shown that there's improved ability of the body to respond to insulin, or sometimes you'll hear that referred to as insulin sensitivity, also improvement in your blood pressure, reduced amount of body fat, also reduction in blood sugar, but blood glucose levels and reduced body inflammation. And some of this information does come from rodent studies and not necessarily studies done on humans. So Overall, I think that this is an area of nutrition that we would absolutely benefit from some additional research on. Great. So if, you know, if you're, if you're a medical student listening to this talk right now, or uh, a PA student or a dietitian in training, this is where we need the research guys. Mm -hmm. um, let, let's switch over to low carb diets. I, I know there are a lot of iterations out there on low carb diets, but let's talk about uh, two that most listeners have likely at least heard of. Uh, that's the keto diet and the Atkins diet. Are they, are they the same thing? Yeah. So both diets aim to kind of reach a, the, a similar goal. So we want to try to get the body into a nutritional ketosis where we're starting to burn fat for fuel, which is the stimulus for weight loss. When you start the Atkins diet, there is a period of time that is very similar to keto where it's lower in carbohydrate 
And then it evolves from there to be more of a maintenance plan where your food variety liberalizes and you're able to increase your carbohydrate intake to something that feels more sustainable. Oh, so the Atkins can be a ketogenic diet. Uh, how, how do low carb diets work? There's a few different thoughts out there as to how exactly the low carb diets work to stimulate weight loss. But one common explanation is somewhat referred to as the obesity insulin model. And that has to do with how reducing your carbohydrates leads to less stimulation of the hormone insulin. And when we consume carbohydrates, which digest into sugar or glucose in our blood, insulin is released from the pancreas and works similar to a fat storage hormone. So that's one of the things that insulin is capable of doing. So when we reduce carbohydrates, we reduce excess sugar in our blood, which then means less stimulation of insulin, which ultimately means less fat storage. So you essentially allow the body to store less fat. And then you're also burning more fat, which helps to stimulate weight loss. So it's almost like a double hit there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and how low is low carb? Right. And this is another one that probably you could get some medical students in or dietitians trying to look into more and it's somewhat up for debate. So some research has shown intake of less than 130 grams of carbohydrate a day can start stimulating weight loss and be defined as low carb. If you're talking more in the realm of keto, this is described usually as consuming under 20 grams of carbohydrate per day. And are there benefits other than the weight loss with low carb diets, like we talked about with intermittent fasting? Yeah. So we have seen some benefits, including the management of blood sugar. If you have diagnoses of insulin resistance or diabetes or pre-diabetes, also management of certain conditions such as polycystic ovarian syndrome, improvement in blood pressure. Uh, also improvement in acne and skin issues in that regard, and also some improvement in certain GI symptoms like gas and bloating. Oh, wow. Okay. Good to know. I didn't know about the, I, I guess, I guess it makes sense with some carbs, but I, I didn't, I hadn't thought of it that way. Uh, any harms with low carb diets? Yeah. So we definitely, again, like with a lot of dietary changes, sometimes we hear constipation being a common complaint and that can happen with a lot of different shifts when you change how you're eating, but that is a common complaint with low carb. Um, I hear reduced energy levels, especially when you first adopt the changes, leg cramps and headaches as well. There is some research out there, although mixed on what happens with your cholesterol levels when you go low carb. And this is probably the one a lot of people think about, you know, if I'm eating more fat, how is that going to affect my cholesterol levels? We do actually see an improvement in levels of triglycerides. So we see lower triglycerides and we see improved HDL levels, which is also sometimes referred to, you might know it as your good cholesterol. And there's also somewhat of a concern in the research with increasing total cholesterol overall, or your LDL, which is also known as your bad cholesterol. And this can sometimes be addressed by looking at what types of fats that you're including on a low carb diet and focusing more on the unsaturated fats, things like olive oil or avocados or salmon. I see. So, so let's go back to sustainability. We we've hit on that a few times. Uh, how long do you typically expect your patients to follow a low carb diet? Yeah. So sometimes again, this is all about sustainability, like you said. So if a patient wants to adopt a low carb diet, sometimes the first steps are just reducing your carbohydrates overall, rather than trying to use a specific number, like under 20 carbs a day or under 50 carbs a day. So that shift can feel more sustainable. 
and something that a patient can keep up with a longer period of time. So we want to, you know, take those first steps to really work in collaboration with patients who want to go on a low carb diet to see if they feel comfortable with the patient, with the changes that you're making. And if it's something that you can stick to for the long term. And again, like these long-term changes are much more important. If you can do a keto diet for two weeks, that's great. And then if you have to stop doing it, you know, it's not, it may not be the best fit for you. So if you can have a more moderate approach that you can maintain for your entire life might end up being the more productive thing to think to do, and also be overall better for your health and your weight management in the long-term. Wow. I feel like we could go on even more here. Uh, we haven't even discussed low carb versus low fat. Um, but again, in keeping this limited to one podcast, uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. Uh, Jamie, thank you so much again. Um, f- to our listeners, uh, Jamie Allers is a registered dietitian at Harford Healthcare's Digestive Health Center. Uh, she's clearly very well informed, and it would be a great resource for both GI and non-GI conditions. Uh, again, we'd love to have you back. Um, I can think of six more episodes right off the top of my head right now. Um, Thank you. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to this episode of the Gut Doctor Podcast. Until next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gut Doctor Podcast. For additional information about today's topic, please visit ConnecticutGI.org. Your feedback is important to us, so please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Gut Doctor. And if you think you may need to see a gastroenterologist, just trust your gut.